Let us turn to John chapter 1. In the beginning was already existing the Word. I'm going to reflect uh, some of the ideas in the original language, so let me freely read it, if you will. In the beginning, which beginning? Any beginning that ever began. Creation, if anything ever had a beginning, angels, the Word was already existing. And the Word was having fellowship or face-to-face communication with God the Father. And the Word was God himself. He was in the beginning with God the Father. That is this one called the Word. All things were made through him. Once again, he was before anything began, and nothing was ever made that was not made through him. So space and time did not give birth to matter. The creator did. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, self-existent life, the uncaused cause, uh, always possessing life, and the life was the light of men. In other words, it was divine life on display. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has never been great enough to either overcome it, some say cannot comprehend it. I'm inclined to take the ESV. They cannot overpower it. For today, we begin verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, not the writer of the book. This is John the baptizer. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own hometown. This word here uh, is own things. I take it to be Palestine or even the region of Israel, beloved Israel. He could have been born in Idaho. He could have been born in Siberia. Could have been born in the Sahara. But when God chose to be born, he chose to be in little Palestine under the Roman heel, but to a people called Israel. A specific, at that time, they weren't even a national entity because they were controlled. But he came unto his own hometown and his own people specifically Israel, did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. 
This is the word of the Lord. We want to look at uh, three things. Uh, John is using the language of Deuteronomy 17 and 19 that says no one can be substantiated in court without witnesses. And whoever is accused in court, Israeli law demanded at least two witnesses. This carries over to 1 Timothy 5. You can never accuse a church leader unless you have two people who saw it. Never believe anything really for sure about a leader unless two witness it. And under the law, those who make the charge, if the one charged is innocent, then we get to stone the one that made the charge, for they've lied and slandered. So Israel took it very serious, what you said about a person's name or reputation. And out of that language, John is presenting his gospel that God steps out of eternity into a back place called Nazareth of Galilee eventually, which was the red light district of the Roman centurions. It was a very immoral part of Palestine during this time. It was away from Jerusalem, away from the religious hubbub of all the Sadducees and the Pharisees. It starts at Bethlehem. By the time the Magi visit him, he's living in a house. The Magi weren't there at Bethlehem. The Magi visit up within two years, and he was living in a house by that time. So the shepherds see him at Bethlehem. The Magi visit within two years. He's living in a house. He's probably up there by Galilee, commonly and despairingly called Galilee of the Gentiles. So God steps out of eternity and moves into obscurity. And for 30 years, nobody knows God is on the planet. Jesus had a couple of half-brothers. I often think when there were brothers sleeping in that room together, probably three or four brothers, but at least two, there was no glow in the bedroom. There was no aura. And uh, when he went to work for Joseph every day at the carpenter's shop, uh, he didn't put on the lumber made by God. It was just made by Joseph. This is Joseph's boy. And even when he did early miracles, they asked, is not this Joseph's son? He's a nobody, just a carpenter. Who is this guy casting out demons? Who is this guy doing? He's a nobody from a nobody place. And so we begin here John's gospel. He said, let me begin to tell you the witnesses who said that Jesus is what I said he was at the beginning, the creator, God, God in flesh. And he begins with the last of all the prophets of whom Jesus said the greatest prophet that ever lived was John the Baptist. And his greatness was not that he wrote 66 chapters like Isaiah, not that he wrote 52 chapters like Jeremiah, not that he wrote 50 chapters like Ezekiel. John the Baptist didn't write any books, but he was privileged to be the best man at the introduction of the king of Israel. 
He got to see what Abraham longed for and none of the prophets ever got to see. And Jesus turned that and said, the least in the kingdom I'm beginning will be greater than John. Greatness of privilege is what made him great. He had the great privilege of introducing Christ. And so, let us look at some things about John. And he, you know what, what's interesting in the book of John, when he describes John, nothing is said about him like Matthew and Mark and Luke said. He never mentions his preaching, never mentions his baptism, because John is careful to let you know that John the Baptist will in no way eclipse the message he's presenting about Christ. And John himself, John the baptizer, he is sure to make that clear. Look at what it says in verse 20, John the baptizer himself. It says, and this is the testimony of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. That's the first thing I want you to fill in. He knew he was not the Christ. It helps when you know who you are. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Can you imagine, you think that's your name, I'm a voice? Or that's who I am, I'm a voice? Why, why don't you say uh, you're the greatest prophet? That's for somebody else to say. Imagine this John wearing camel skin, eating locusts and wild honey. You talk about a weird-looking cousin. He was six, year, six months older than Jesus. He was his cousin. And, and man, would you, would you want him to be your best man? What a strange kind of... But, but he knew who he was. I'm a voice. I'm on a mission. I'm only here to introduce you to one greater than I am. What a powerful thing. And then he says in verse 27, I'm not even fit to untie the strings or the strap of his sandal. You know what? I write this. You know how to stay humble? Look up. When you look up, you can't look down on anyone. When you look up, I can't look down on you. And Romans 12 says, don't look down on other people. The sign of a humble man is he's not full of himself. He actually knows you're in the room. When you're full of yourself, nobody's in the room but you. Nobody's important but you. And we know you haven't been hanging out with God because the more you hang out with God, you see how small in the scheme of things you really are. John the Baptist never did even have a mega church. He had a little following down by the River Jordan. Didn't even have a synagogue audience. Nobody booked him in a synagogue. Uh-uh, this man is too wild and woolly. 
but he was God's appointed man to be a voice, a man that knew his place in history, a man that grew up with Jesus as a cousin. And I don't know when he found out, maybe after the 30 years of silence there in Galilee, but all of a sudden he comes on the scene. This, let me tell you about this one. Jesus is now 30 years of age. This is the prophet greater than Moses. This is the one that I was born to announce. This is him. The witness steps up. He goes on to say of Christ in verse 29, this is the Lamb of God. And I must be truthful with you. I'm astounded that he could have it. I do not know that John even knows what all he said. What an astounding statement. Who told John he was the Lamb of God? When do you give the Messiah this kind of sacrificial title? This is an amazing statement to me. This is the Lamb of God that will deal with the sin of the world. Wow, what a statement. I, I stagger that he could have made it. He hasn't been to the cross yet. Uh, all that hasn't been revealed yet. Oh, he knows Isaiah 53, but come on. This is his cousin. He's been unknown for 30 years, and all of a sudden you're saying, this is the lamb that takes care of it all. An astounding, an astounding announcement. I'm not sure anyone in his audience knew what he said. That he was so ahead. He goes on in verse 30, and he said that Christ said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. How could you be before him when you were born six months ahead of him? Because he's eternal. Because he's God. He's been way before me. I'm not talking about just natural descent. I'm talking, I'm announcing to you, Messiah is eternal. He's before me. He's before Abraham. He's before Genesis 1-1. He keeps on. He said, I baptize you with water in verse 31 so that Christ might be recognized. I'm going to baptize the Christ but because I, I want you to recognize this is God's Messiah. John, the gospel of John doesn't even record that God spoke out of the heavens and said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. But John is telling us this John the baptizer, this cousin of Jesus, recognized who he was. Watch, he says in 32 through 34, I did behold the Spirit descending on him like a dove. I saw it. Now watch this. He keeps on. In, in verse 40, he uh, is telling people about Christ. And then one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And so he becomes convinced. And here, here comes Andrew saying, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And he brought Peter to Jesus and as soon as Jesus sees Simon, he said, you know what? It's time I rename you. Think of this. Meet a guy for the first time. Hey, I don't like your name. I'll read it. You're Cephas. <laughs> the Andrew Club. What I'm asking you to do this week, is there any Andrews in this place that would go tell their relative, I've met the Messiah? I've met Christ. Or is he the best kept secret you've got in your life? 
I don't want anyone on the job to know I know him. I don't want my kids to know. No, 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 no. God, give us some Andrews that could go and tell Peter, our brother, say, come and see who I found. But they'll reject me. That's all right. That's in God's hands. It's in our hands to tell them who we found. Now, witness in this book is key because Christ is in the court of human opinion. And the court he came to, I must say, found him guilty. He is a child of immorality. He is a demon-possessed man for some of the many things accused him of. This is not the king of the Jews. This is not God. There was only a few that accepted the witness. He's still in court. He's still on trial. In the book, about eight witnesses, this term is used over and over. Look at John 5. Would you turn there? John 5. Just to see how witness is so important in this book. Look at verse 30. John 5, 30. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not deemed true. Isn't that interesting? If I alone say who I am, it's not valid. See, so thinking of, once again, Deuteronomy 17, 19, I'm in court. I'm on trial, but watch what he says. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony or the witness that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And he does, he names seven great works he does in the Gospel of John. But John ends the book by saying, we don't have enough paper or ink to record every great thing he ever did. But we know he raised dead men. We know that he raised Lazarus. We know he made a blind man see. We know he turned water to wine. We know that a man by the pool of Bethesda for 38 years a cripple was healed in a moment. We know a woman by a well was changed. We know a religious ruler named Nicodemus was born again. We know what he did. The works that I do, try walking on water. Try speaking to wind and wave. Try being transfigured on a mountain and ascend in the air and the glow being so great that two Old Testament prophets show up, Moses and Elijah, face to shine like the sun. Oh, no, he did a lot of works that only God could do. He could cast out demons that none of the exorcists could do. He was God. 
the very works spoke and witnessed about him. And the Father, verse 37, who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you've never heard, his form you've never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. Watch. It is they that bear witness about me. John witnessed that I'm the Son of God. God the Father witnesses that I am the Son of God. My works say I do the works of God and I'm of God. The Scriptures say I'm of God. And then he goes to John 15 and 16. I will send the Holy Spirit in the world, and guess what he will do? He will bear witness that I am the Son of God and that I sent the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. The sure mark, the sure mark, the Spirit is controlling your life as we're seeing Jesus as the main subject of your mouth. You're not talking about how much power you've got, how many gifts you've got, how many demons you cast out. You'll get down to this. How dear has the Spirit made Jesus to you? I just went on a little hymn search recently. My dad, when we got in the car, he would always sing us the chorus. It went, Jesus, Jesus, dearer than all to me. Jesus, Jesus, thine only thine I'll be. Wheresoever thou leadest, I'll follow. Wherever the path may lead, till at last thy face in glory, thy face in glory, I'll see. Now, every time, we, now, I'm growing up on Little Willie John and rock and roll when he's doing this because he owns the pickup and he controls the boy. He, it wasn't, the, the kids didn't control the radio on my dad. Dad controlled everything. I went up the search. That song, you know why you haven't heard it? It was written in 1914. But when I see it, I'm in a 56 blue Ford pickup. And every time we got in it, he started, Jesus. And he could sing all three stanzas. Got three stanzas. I was the lost sheep. That I just gave it last week to all my brothers and my sisters. This was a song we grew up. Jesus. Isn't that simple? It didn't even have a tempo. I want to know if it's got Jesus. Do you know any Jesus songs? No one ever loved me like Jesus. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. I was preaching a revival when I was 19 in uh, Oklahoma, in a little place, and we're driving to Tecumseh. It was Indian country. I was with a poor preacher, had five kids. Every night after church, we drank iced tea and ate bologna sandwiches. He was broke. But I was driving a VW, and we started singing, the name of Jesus, oh, how sweet. 
I love its music to repeat. He makes my life full and complete. The lovely name of Jesus. Anybody ever hear it? There's three of us. Then this preacher and I begin to sing, Jesus, Jesus, when I'm dying, don't sing any songs to me but the songs about Jesus. When I'm grieving, I don't mind singing I woke up this morning, but I got to have more than that when, I, when I'm grieving. I want Jesus, oh, how sweet the name, or if I ever love thee, my Lord Jesus, tis now. When the Spirit comes, he will elevate Christ, Christ. Not all your views, not all the doctrine you think you understand, but Christ. He will make him lovely, precious. I love what Peter said, to you who believe he is precious. And until you get rid of religious talk and religious action and church, 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 I'm wait, I just wait to meet somebody who says, talk to me about Jesus. He's the sweetest name I know. He is my Savior. He is who found me. The Holy Spirit works for him. He doesn't work for the Spirit. The Spirit works for Jesus. And he promotes Jesus, John 15, John 16, and the whole book of Acts. It's all the preaching Christ. This one you crucified. This one God has raised. Be full of Jesus. You ought to get some Jesus songs in your, your little repertoire. The witnesses, please stand up. You see, there's coming a day when Jesus will no longer be in the court to be tried, he will be on the bench to try. It's all going to reverse someday. So we have to ask, with all these witnesses, how did the world respond? You think the Father could convince? You think the Spirit could convince? The great prophet John could convince. The Scriptures could convince. He even said in John 8, Moses would convince you if you listened to him. Why aren't you listening to who this man is? And he tells his tragic story. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. The true light was coming. That's the idea. This is Christ was coming into the world. The one that brings light of any kind to all of humanity. If there's any light that's ever been shown on you, it came from the Christ, the light that came into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not recognize him or know him. This is the response of the world. We don't recognize him. This is Mary's boy, and it's questionable how this boy got here. We heard, we've heard the miraculous story, but we're more inclined to believe that a 15-year-old girl engaged probably got pregnant. That was the story. They didn't buy that. Anna did, Simeon. But that's way back. We're, we're, here, we're here 30 years later. This is 30 years later that we're, John comes on the scene. And they, they didn't recognize him. No one in the neighborhood. 
Did you know his own brothers didn't recognize him? They didn't get saved till after the resurrection. His own brothers didn't believe he was God. He can't be this. Come on, we shared a bedroom together. Come on. We, we lived together. That's just an ordinary man. We brushed our teeth together. Imagine, no toothpaste. I, what was Santa take? When do they take showers then? You had to run down to the lake. We fished together. He's just an ordinary boy. I think he had muscles because of our carpenter's trade. He probably was buffed. And if he was a typical Jew of that time, he'd be about five foot six. See, we always think he's at least six eight. No, he's about five six. That's what a typical Jew was at that time, at male height. It was the Roman soldiers that were big men, strong. And did they recognize him? No. They did catch on. And then it goes on to say, he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. It's not only they didn't recognize him, uh, they didn't receive him. Heartbreaking story is told of a, a poor farm couple during the Depression. They only had one son, and it was their desire that their boy would get an education and get away from the farm. If you know anything about the Depression, being a farmer and seeing all your topsoil blown away was not a good thing. And so this uh, man and his wife sacrificed to send this boy to school. And the boy went to school, and after some time, mom and dad got homesick to see the boy, and they drove, and they went on campus, and who did they see but their son with some other young men talking. And so mom and dad go, and dad goes up to the boy. He said, hello, son. Hello, son. I'm so glad to see you. The only problem was he's still wearing bib overalls. And she was still wearing a plain print dress from the farm. The boy was embarrassed. And he told his dad, I don't know you. I don't know you. He was too embarrassed to acknowledge this is the kind of home he came from. Uh, do you ever remember as a teenager, mom let me off at least a block from school. I want to look cool. I don't want it to be seen that my mother gave me a drive to school. I love you, Mom, but let me off about a block. My mother was short and heavy. She wasn't cool. I'm the seventh child. She lost all of her physical beauty. She wasn't pretty by the time I came along. She'd uh, been through a lot of things. I was the last thing she needed. I mean, I had so many physical problems. That poor woman lived in doctors, and she, Paul kept telling her six of us was enough. Why have you sabotaged the family with one more? Well, honey, your daddy just looks at me, and I get pregnant. And Paul said, it takes more than a look, mama. He didn't like it, and it was terrible. When I think back, she had no business. But sometimes I get embarrassed. Mother's too heavy. She went cool. All the other guys I was running with, their mothers were still about 30s, kind of looked good, still had a figure. I said, well, I don't know if I went over my house. My mama's heavy. It's amazing 
how beautiful she got once I got saved. Weight didn't matter anymore. Going through the menopause didn't matter. She was a wreck through the menopause, and I saw it, Ruth and I. And just to think that you could have been a friend to God and you weren't. This is a Lawrence Welk day of hymnology. I'll give you some other songs. I know you crave to hear me sing, especially Jim Snyder. He's so critical of my ability. Um, we grew up singing a song like this. They tried my Lord and Master. I loved it as a boy with no one to defend. Within the halls of Pilate, he stood without a friend. Then it went into the chorus, I'll be a friend to Jesus. My life for him I'll spend. I'll be a friend to Jesus until my year's end. The world may turn against him. I'll love him to the end. And while on earth I'm living, my Lord shall have a friend. I'll be a friend to Jesus. My life for him I'll spend. I'll be a friend to Jesus until my years shall end. I ask you, how have you responded to who this man is? He said the majority found no beauty in him, but then he turns verse 12, and you're astounded. In the midst of all the witnesses, all the rejection, all the non-recognition, there's one, there's, there's a miracle right here. Watch. There actually have been people who received him. Look at it. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, blood's idea. Jews thought of the woman's blood, the man's blood, making a new, nor of the will of the flesh, uh, just natural procreative desires, nor of the will of a man. We're going to have a baby or in the context of sexual desire or even wanting a posterity. No, none of you got into this family with human beings having a thing to do with it. You got into it because God wanted you in, but God gave you birth. He's already telling you more is coming. And John 3, he'll say, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. God has started another family. This fatherhood of God and brotherhood of men, oh, it's nice political language, but it's not biblical language. God only becomes your father through a new birth. And Jesus becomes your brother through a new birth. And he says, everyone that received him, and the definition of received is believed on his name, put faith in Christ, this Messiah, this Savior, this Lamb that will die. They're born of God. It is astounding. It's only a prologue. He's just introducing the whole book. But think of it. All you've got to do to get God as a father is to receive Jesus Christ. 
it's, it's, unless this verse isn't right. All you've got to do, Christ calls me his brother in Hebrews 2. I feel a little funny calling him my brother. At least he calls me his brother. So there's something in there. He's my elder brother in a sense. I'm called his brother. I'm not as up on calling Jesus my friend. John 15, he calls me his friend. I don't want to get too cozy, even though I'm in the family. I want to revere him. I don't know, what have you done with Christ? What have you done with Jesus Christ? Have, have you yet recognized who he is? The witnesses in the book of John, which the way I'm going, I'm going to stay with John until I get through it at this rate because I can't shake it loose. But the witnesses stand up. And in the day of Pentecost, he said, and you shall receive the Holy Spirit and you shall be my witnesses. I think... Uh, you need to ask yourself this. Who knows that you're a Christian? Who knows that you know him? Do you actively pursue trying to make Christ known? And did you know what? What you have to answer individually, we have to answer corporately. What are we doing corporately to make him known? You get to just having church and just kind of gets to be a lot of fun. And uh, we actually put up a Christmas tree. And, man, we got donuts that will make you uh, diabetic or overweight. Uh, you know, we're good to folks. We're just wonderful. This is the church you need to be at. We're having a good time going through this life. But what, uh, what's your ultimate existence about? Is it to make him known? The greatest prophet will eventually be beheaded and pass off the scene. He did all right preaching Christ. It's when he preached about who you have the right to sleep with that got him killed. Greatest prophet. I ask, uh, are you a friend of Christ? Have you welcomed him into your heart and life? Um, I, I just, uh, it's interesting in John. John says we become children of God. Paul is always saying we become sons of God. You're a child of God because God gives you eternal life, his life. You're a son of God by divine adoption. He gives you the privilege of adulthood, and he says, I've adopted you and treat you like sons. You're not under the law. You're not under tutors. You're not under any tutorship except that of the Spirit, and guess what he will do? He will lead you to Christ. He will promote Christ. He will tell you Christ. I know your spiritual temperature just by what you think of Christ. Who do you say he is? The rocks know who he is. A donkey that he rode on for the first time knew who he was. It's men that would rather go to hell than to ever bow to him. It is a heartbreaking thing that the creator can step out of eternity into obscurity 
that he could step from a throne to a backwater place like Nazareth, that God can be clothed and walk among us. And as the witnesses begin to speak and as the miracles are done and the works are done and the Father attests and the Father speaks from heaven and John speaks up and the crowd said, this is the Messiah. They speak up, they speak up. And Messiah can't start a church with over 120 followers in Acts 1. Maybe he need to take a Rick Warren course on evangelism. Did a poor job. This is God, and you can only get 120 followers. This is the result of three years of ministry. I've often bemoaned how poor a soul winner I am. And I don't hardly know anyone in the church talking to me about soul winning. They'll tell me that right now the building's too hot. I feel like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's so hot. <laughs> uh, the, they'll tell me whether they like our music or not. They never tell me how many people they've led to Christ. Are you even engaged? Or have we become silent witnesses? My challenge to you is take that little card and pray. Husband, say, come on, honey. Let's kick off our Christmas this year. Go to church with me. Wife, children, grandchildren, whatever. Invite them. Who knows? In a corporate setting, as us as a crowd to them, might be able to shout louder than you have been by yourself. We're going to tell them Jesus is the Christ. I, I'm amazed. Let me just say this, and I, I'm out on a tirade, I think. But I am just amazed how in love we are with the myth of the North Pole. And, and when we've got a Jesus coming back, and he won't be brought back by reindeer, He's going to come riding in as on a white horse with power, and the armies of heaven will come. What, the truth is far greater than anything, the imagination of men, and they will make millions talking about a fat man in a red suit. And you know and I know there's no fat man at my house, and Carolyn's been rapping all night. And, and, and I've been in depression ever since the visa bill came in. You know, so it, they did not send it to the North Pole. They seemed to find Elm Drive. Uh, please scrape off the myth. Scrape off the myth. It's just a great time to say if God's been gracious in Christ, I'd like to give you this gift to be show the love of God, not to keep up with our tradition that obscures him, hides him. Don't talk to me about reindeer. Don't talk to me about silver bells. Dear friend, Talk to me about the bells of heaven. I'm going there because Christ came. Santa didn't come. Christ came. Brothers, would you come? And now we're going to ask you uh, to give to a Christ you love and adore. Uh, if you keep giving like you've been giving, we may just end in the black this year. And we just keep shooting for that. We're waiting until we wind up with a million in the black, and then who knows what we're liable to do. Our Father, 
We want to thank you that we have something to give. And we want to thank you that uh, I couldn't pay on eternal life. What would I be willing to pay? Can it be true that it's free? Can it be that all I've got to do is receive this great gift? Father, please instruct the Spirit to open someone's understanding that they can leave this place with Jesus Christ in their heart. And may we who know him be his witnesses. We are Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, we just don't belong to a certain cult. We are your witnesses. And we've been given the Spirit to carry out this witnessing until Jesus comes. Give us the strength, the determination, and the wisdom to carry out the assignment. In Jesus' name, amen. Give as God has blessed you.